Good morning. My name is Jim Barcliffe, pastor at Lighthouse Fellowship. We're glad you've joined us today. We want you, obviously, to uh, really receive today what the Lord has for you because we believe he's got great things for you. We believe that he is on the move, that he is uh, up to something really, really good because that's who our God is, our Heavenly Father, Abba Father. And uh, I just pray today that you'd be touched by his presence and his peace and his love and that whatever the issue may be, that you would know Jesus is the answer, the wonderful blessing. It's not complicated. We just have to humble ourselves and say, Jesus, I need you and touch me. Wherever your need may be, Jesus knows. Run to, as we just sang uh, the song, run to the Father because he is the answer, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So let's begin with prayer. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, here. You are here and we welcome you, but we, Lord, make room for you and ask for you to move in this place today, these in the congregation, and dear Lord, over the airways, we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would touch every life that's watching, every person in this sanctuary. And Father, we may this broadcast go forth to touch people all over the world. We pray, Father, today, knowing there is no limit to your power. And we know, Lord, that you do things that we can never imagine because, Father, the Bible says, call upon me and I will answer you and I will do great and mighty things that you could never imagine. And so we call on you this day and your promise is you will answer us. We pray, Father, for healing for those that are sick. Those are oppressed. We right now speak against that, take authority over that. Those who need just encouragement because they're discouraged. Those who feel like their souls are like a, a dry wasteland, we ask you to pour the water of your spirit out upon them. And those, Lord, who are looking for hope, who've lost all hope, we pray today, Holy Spirit of God, that you would impart hope to their hearts. We pray, Lord, specifically for those there in Miami, Florida, that you would touch the families that have lost loved ones. The families, even at this moment, do not know and Lord, their hearts are in anguish. We pray for the power of your spirit that you would touch everyone, dear God. And Father, if there are others that are alive, maybe, we ask you, Father, that you bring them forth very, very quickly. Be with those who are doing the rescuing. Touch them, dear Lord. But Father, bring uh, peace to the grief of this community and beyond. Father, today, we run to you. And we ask, Lord, you do these things that you and you alone can do. And so, Lord, we ask you to speak. and Let me get out of the way and let your word, your truth go forth and power touch us, dear Lord. Set us free because we want to be free. And we ask for that freedom through the power of your spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to finish today the last in a series of messages talking about, obviously, the flesh, the battle between the spirit and the flesh. <clears throat> and today I want to talk about how do you overcome come sin every time? How can you overcome sin? You say, well, these things that maybe we read here in Galatians, you may say, well, they, they're not, I don't have any issues with that at all and so forth. But you just realize that we live in a fallen world and you and I have that old nature still here. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that old nature is still there. That is the flesh. And that old nature, the flesh, wars against the spirit. 
So how can we win against this every time and then walk in the Spirit every day? I want to talk about that today, very importantly. And so we'll look at Galatians chapter 5, and we'll begin with verse 16, and we'll read through verse 26. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with one another, and so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. May God add blessing to the reading of his word. If I ask you today, you know, all these types of characters out there, there's Flash and, you know, Batman and Spider-Man and all these types of things today. But I want to look at characters biblically today. And so which ones do you identify? All of them are men, of course. So ladies, I've kind of not called out the, the ladies in the Bible, but these are men. But how do you, as far as their character and who they are, who do you associate with? And I'm going to name some of the characters here. Samson, okay? We know Samson was set apart by God for a special purpose. And he, he took a vow of obedience. Uh, he was given great ability, we know, and physical strength. And then there's David. He was a great leader, chosen by God to be king, and he courageously stood up against the giant Goliath. He was obviously probably nine or ten foot tall. He was called a man after God's own heart. This is David, King David. And he worshipped the Lord, uh, on a, obviously, continually. And then Elijah, he fiercely spoke the word of God to King Ahab and Jezebel and the prophets of Baal, and he exposed Baal as a false prophet, or false god, on Mount Carmel, calling fire from heaven. He was used by God to perform miracles and he heard the still small voice of the Lord. And then there's Peter in the New Testament. He was chosen by Jesus. We know about him and he's one of his disciples. And he recognized that Jesus was the promised Messiah and he preached the word of God and thousands came to salvation through his preaching here. He was a man of faith. He had no silver, no gold, but what he had to that man at the gate called beautiful, he said, get up and walk. And the man got up and started leaping and running and praising God. And he'd been lame all of his life. This was Peter here. So which one do you sort of kind of connect with there in that way? So we think about these characteristics here. But none of these men, one of the things they had in common, and it's the same for you and I, were immune from sin. Each one obviously served the Lord in a powerful way. And they were used by the Lord in a powerful way. But we, they were not immune from temptation and sin. They were like anyone else. And we see here that they soon yielded to sin even after they had come to know the Lord Jesus Christ here. 
And so you and I have got to rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to walk through this world today and obviously walk in victory. If not, we'll be taken out. Now, it won't be that we lose our salvation, but it may be that obviously we lose our witness because there is a battle that's going on and it's a fierce battle. It's a battle the enemy just says, I want to, he came to kill you and me. He came to destroy us and he came to steal everything God has put in our hearts and take it and obviously and ravage it. That's what he's about. And he's very, very determined to do that. And so you and I are in intense warfare. And I believe before the end of time, before the end of the age is that that warfare will get more and more intense. And so we've got to know one of the things I felt called for to, to, to teach and to preach and to, to train and disciple is is to prepare people for that very thing. Because there's one thing about it. And I preach salvation because we need to come to Jesus, first of all. But if you've come to ask Jesus to come into your life and to be your Lord and Savior, we know the battle begins then because the enemy wants to take us out. And so I want to talk about how can we overcome that today? There are three points here. First of all, having the Holy Spirit resident in our lives does not guarantee victory over temptation. <clears throat> we thought everything would be fine. We think, well, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I've got my ticket for that glory train when God calls me home. But yet we know that it does not in any way guarantee victory over this sin. Important. And God's expectation is clear. As believers, we should live our lives free from sin in 1 Peter chapter 1. But just as he called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, if it wasn't just that easy to say, okay, I'm holy because God is holy, okay? And positionally, we are holy, okay? But that has to be worked out on a day-to-day -day basis and how we position ourselves before the Lord and what we do. So, yes, you are holy because when the Spirit of God came and dwelt in your spirit is you became obviously holy. You got became you were born again and we're headed to heaven. But we know that there's a sanctification process that takes place after redemption. That sanctification process, if you're saved, is what the process you're in right now. And God is sanctifying you. Real simply, he's making us more like Jesus. He's making us to where we can obviously have the victory over sin. Because until we go to be with him, that fight is going to continue. And so the enemy will come and he will obviously deal with your, your flesh and my flesh. Because he knows your weakness. He knows my weakness. And he will obviously keep hitting you right in that place until we know how to obviously have the victory in that place that maybe we've been defeated in for all of our lives. It's important to know that God wants us to have the victory. But you and I have to do some things that, again, I'm going to talk about today, and I pray it will help you in your walk with the Lord. What happens when we are saved? At the moment you ask Christ Jesus to come into your life and forgive you of your sin, then you're cleansed from all sin, and the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life. And the Bible calls us a new creation, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We've been saved, and, but we still live in these bodies. And these bodies, the old nature, that sin nature is still dwelling within us. It's called the flesh. The Greek word for that is sarx, S-A-R-X. It's the flesh. There's a battle that's going on between the spirit and the flesh. Two weeks ago, I talked about the control of the mind because that's where the devil will work. 
And he peppers you with different thoughts. Thoughts about immorality. Thoughts about maybe things that are contrary to the will of God. And he hits your mind. And, and if you don't take those thoughts captive, if you don't deal with those thoughts, they come and it's like the birds, they'll make a nest there. And it will begin to grow and grow. You've got to deal with that right when immediately when those things start. And so he begins to deal with and put his finger upon the flesh and your life and my life here. The Bible says in, in this Galatians, this, this particular chapter, uh, verse 17. Obviously, the flesh loves to do evil, which is just the opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the flesh desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting against each other. And your choices are never free from this conflict. Never. Never free. Self will continue to raise its ugly head all throughout our life. Never gets any better. We've got to know how to control that. So who will win the battle for control? The Spirit or the flesh? That's the question that we have to make. And so you and I have to obviously suit up in the full armor of God and be determined that we will not allow these things to enter into our lives and take control of our lives. We have to be determined and obviously purpose in our hearts that we're going to walk in the Spirit every day. Every day. Because sometimes we feel like, well, maybe I can lay back today. And maybe I can back off. And maybe when things really get intense, I'm really tired, I need to do that. And you see, that's when the enemy comes in. It's when you're tired, when you're weary, and when you take the position that obviously I, I'm just too tired to deal with this today. So look at Samson. Samson... Had the Spirit of God came upon him in power here, but he was seduced by Delilah. Remember, he was a womanizer and all. And remember what happened? He was physically strong, certainly here, but he was spiritually weak. And eventually, obviously, God used him, but he really lost his highest purposes that God had for Samson. Samson had the Spirit of God, but he stumbled and fell because he was spiritually weak. I'll tell you right now what God's doing in your life and my life is he's making us spiritually strong. we got to make a choice of what we want and how we want to live here. And by the way, I want to say this. If you think that you can defeat the devil in your own strength, you're mistaken. Every battle that we win will be because of us yielding to the Holy Spirit. You will never be able to win the battle of the flesh and the spirit without the power of God's Spirit. Without yielding to the power of the Spirit, you see. And many times... I believe we get weary and we get tired and so forth. It's because we're trying to fight the battle in our own strength. That's what happened to Samson. He obviously did not depend upon the Spirit of God. He did not yield to the Spirit of God. And he, before he knew it, he didn't even realize when the Spirit had left him. But he got tired. If you're weary fighting this battle, we're going to do some things today that I pray are going to set you free. The David, remember what happened. David had this Holy Spirit upon him. He was anointed as king. But remember there, he walked out on his balcony. And on the balcony across the way there was Bathsheba taking a bath. And he lusted after her, had, him come in, had her come in, committed adultery there. And also then again, to cover it up, killed Bathsheba's husband, you see. I'm always amazed at how precise the enemy has everything timed. And he does for everything when he tempts you and I. Exactly the right time that David stepped out on that balcony 
Bathsheba was out there taking a bath outside exactly at the right time. So you think that all of it's just a coincidence? No, the enemy will set you up. The enemy will obviously put you in a place where you have to make a decision of whether or not you're going to yield to the flesh or are you going to yield to the spirit. It's very important. Remember Elijah. He has the anointing of God upon him and he overcame the prophets of Baal there on, on the mountain. And obviously when Jezebel said that I'm going to kill you, remember he ran for his life. He had just seen God pour his power down and lap up the water around the sacrifice completely completely dried it up and all the Baals of prophet were uh, the prophets of Baal were killed and then he was running for his life you see when we think everything is going okay everything is going smooth sailing I love those times don't get me wrong and there are times in your life it seems like that you're on the mountaintop and not in the valley but let me tell you you and I had the walk with, with obviously the determination every moment of every day because when we leave an opening, the enemy is sure to come in and will tempt you and will put his hand right on that flesh, that sinful nature within us. And he will do something that we never thought we would do. And then obviously, Peter, remember what happened to him? And even before he got filled with the spirit there, remember, he denied Jesus three times. Remember the little teenage girl at the last time he, he she said, I've seen you with that man. Remember, he cussed, he cursed. And I uh, said, no, I haven't seen it. I know nothing about this Jesus. After he got filled with the Spirit, do you know what happened to him? He was prejudiced against the Gentiles. There's a lot of talk about uh, prejudice and biases nowadays and the media and all over the place and so forth. And so God takes that prejudice out of our lives and that bias and begins to root it out. But you see, what happens, that old sinful nature where you were raised up in, in the environment that you were raised up in, that comes back to haunt us, so to speak. And we've got to know how to walk in the Spirit and deny that and crucify the flesh on a regular basis. This is what happened even to Peter. And you say, but Jim, none of these things are really pertaining to me. None of these things that I can see. Let me ask you, what do you do when you have a situation that you don't know how to handle? Is there some worry that comes in your heart? You ever worry about anything? Worry about what tomorrow holds? You're worried about, you know, where your next, uh, where, you know, the money, finances is going to come in. You worry about this. You worry about that. Whatever. Is that what's there? Okay. How about if you, are you anxious about anything? Maybe you're anxious about something. Maybe something has happened in your life or the family that you don't have any control over. Do you, are you have anxiety about it? Maybe anxious? Do you have fear about this or that? I always said when this COVID situ situation came in, I always talked about the fact and I said, don't get me wrong about it. I'm very, very serious. We need to protect ourselves. But God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us a spirit of love, power and sound mind. We don't have to be afraid of these things. We don't know what the next time this so-called virus and all these things that are going around are going to have. We do not fear. Do you have fear in your heart? then if you do, what's happened is, is you're leaning on the flesh and you're not walking in the Spirit. You're not yielding to the Spirit. Most importantly today is we know to walk in the Spirit, you've got to crucify the flesh. You've got to get into the Word and you've got to read what the Word says about you and I. And we've got to know our identity in Jesus Christ. Amen. We've got to know who we are in Christ. 
We've got to know the Spirit of God indwells us. The power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead indwells every believer. The Holy Spirit of God. But are we tapping into that power every day? Are we yielding to that power? Or are we yielding to the flesh? We have a choice every day. Every, life, every day is a, just a day of choices. Amen? Every day is like that. The Bible talks about this. And, and you know, obviously, <clears throat> we need to be filled with the Spirit. But obviously we need to know not to ignore Satan's subtle deceptions because we, if we believe we're incapable of sin, then we're dangerously close to sin. The Bible talks about that. He says if you have no sin, then you've made God out a liar. You will stumble and fall. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But we stumble and fall, don't we? And why is that? It's because what's happened is we leaned on the flesh. We've then flipped right over into that category and leaned on the flesh and we have not yielded to the Spirit. So how do you overcome sin? Every time. It's by yielding to the Spirit. Proverbs 16 says, Pride goes before destruction. Pride here. First pride, then the crash. And then the bigger the ego, the harder the fall. The more you feel like, well, I'm not a part of those categories there in Galatians chapter 5. None of those. And so... Not all of those are named up there. Obviously, all the sins that you can commit. What about unbelief? Do you believe God is going to take care of you? Do you believe that obviously God has a future for you? Do you believe that somehow that God has just left you and abandoned you? That you believe that when you were going through something in your childhood, that somehow and trying to understand maybe there was abuse in that situation or maybe this was going on and so forth, that God was nowhere to be found in those situations? You see, we have unbelief that will come in our hearts. And I believe unbelief is the biggest sin. Not believing what God says. He is for us. He's not against us. And when you face temptations, you can always go back to the Word of God because how did Jesus resist the devil when he was being tempted? It is written. It is written. You go back to the Word of God. And so what you can say, for example, let me give you an example, is that uh, when you're under temptation, then just go back and say, no, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And just say that out loud. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved us. When the word of God goes forth, the enemy cannot stand. And he'll just back off of that flesh. And you'll be able to then yield to the spirit. But before long, that you're captured by his snare. And we know that he puts that snare and he's hooked you just like a fish gets hooked. And we know that obviously we have to allow that to happen. But you yield to the spirit. Is this making sense to everybody? Everybody getting this? Yield to the spirit. Trust the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Very important. The second thing here is the Holy Spirit enables believers to overcome temptation by producing his holy character in us. Yes, he does. In uh, verses 19 through 21, the acts of the flesh are obvious. So the Holy Spirit makes sin obvious. You know that? It's not like there's a question today, although many people, even in the church today, do not believe in uh, the absolutes. Obviously, there's no absolute. OK, that's what they're saying. That's the George George Barner, maybe the surveys that have been done that the people in the church say, well, it's kind of a gray area. There are no gray areas. We know the, that the Holy Spirit will make sin obvious to you, to, obvious to, to me and you. He will make it obvious. There are no gray areas. And you know what you see in society today is a lot of people will say, well, 
what's right for him may not be right for me or what's wrong with him may not be right for me. Well, he, he I mean, who, I mean, it's his, it's his deal and so forth. When we know that people are doing wrong, we go, what's everything is relative. I mean, look at the circumstances that person's in. It's all relative. No, we're not walking by the spirit when that happens. We're letting it go. What happens is compromise like that is a slippery slope and we keep going down and down. And that's what's happened in this country. No one has stood up and said there are absolutes. There is sin and then there's the right thing to do and there's the wrong thing to do. It's not like they're gray areas. They're not, they're not gray at all. And yet that's what we've allowed to come in. You know what you and I need to do in this culture today? We need to raise our flag up. Not arrogantly or any way boastfully, but raise our flags and say, I'm a Christian and I stand for life and I stand for purity and I stand for holiness and I stand for doing right the right thing. And that is treating people right, loving people. All this stuff you see today is because we've allowed it to come in. You and I need to take a stand and say enough of this stuff. It's not a gray area to say, well, he doesn't know that it's wrong. Well, he may not because obviously if he's not a believer. He doesn't know what's right or wrong. Sin to them is not obvious. But you and I need to stand up, you see, because we have the reflection of the light of Jesus in our lives that shines forth into the darkness. And we need to make that plain. For our culture. We're here to make a. We need to be. The Bible says we're to be what? Salt and light. And if the salt has lost its savor. Then it's no more good. You just throw it out. But you and I make it have an influence upon this culture today. And can make things. And we can pray. And we can stand. And we should not bow our knees to these things that we see being just pushed in our culture today. And say no enough is enough. And tell the devil to take his hands off of this nation. Amen. That's what we need to do. But you see, you and I have the answer. But we just say, hey, lean upon the flesh and sort of just go get by, you know, to go along and so forth. Then we won't. You see, we forgot what our mission is. We forgot what we're called to do. And that is to make a difference. To have an influence upon our culture and our environment. The Bible, sometimes people in the past, they've said, well, the church is supposed to be secluded from everyone and supposed to be over here and and don't get involved with anything, politics or any of this type of stuff or any of the things that are going on. That's not right. We're involved in life and we're involved in this government. We're involved in this culture today. We're involved in all that goes on around us today because you and I have the answer. His name is Jesus. Unless you and I say, we're going to walk in the Spirit. But what happens is, is that we've so defeated because of the, that flesh just coming back and more and beating us and the devil was beating us before long. You're weary and tired and you go, well, I just want to get through life. And Jesus said, I've got much more for you to do. He makes sin obvious, you see. You know what happens today? You know something I don't like? I don't know whether you do or not, but I'm in, I got the bully pulpit, so here we go. Being politically correct Okay, what does that mean? You've got to go along with everybody else. You cannot obviously say, hey, you don't want to hurt little Johnny's feelings. You can't make a difference here. You've got to be politically correct. We've become so politically correct that there's no standard at all. We've done lowered the bar so low we can't even get that low. 
And we need to stand for those things. We need to raise the bar, the bar back up the way the Bible, the Word of God tells us because they're absolutes, they're rights and they're wrongs. And it's not like we have to guess it and have the sort of like kind of mamby-pamby along. God is saying today, walk in the Spirit and crucify that flesh. You'll do it, you'll crucify it if you'll stand uh, with what the Spirit is saying. The Bible says we're to love the sinner. But we're to hate to sin. You know, people have those lifestyles. That's their, certainly they have that right and so forth. But it doesn't have to be that I have to agree with them. I don't have to celebrate it with them. I don't have to say, well, this is the way things are going. Let's just let her go along. I don't have to do that. I can make a difference if I walk in the spirit. But if I'm leaning on the flesh, then obviously it's going to go just the opposite way. So how does the Holy Spirit make sin obvious to us? Because it's His presence in our lives. Any of you know about the little black smoke sitting on one shoulder and the white smoke sitting on the other shoulder? And that little black smoke, you're coming up against a decision or something you have to do, and that little voice from that black smoke, it says, just do it. Just do it. Don't worry about the consequences. Just do it. Don't worry about what's right and what's wrong. Just do it. Anybody ever heard that little black, little black smoke there on your shoulder? Okay. But then on the other side is that little white smoke. And that little white smoke says, wait a minute. Think about this. Pray about this. Walk in the spirit. You've got a battle. You've got a black smoke on one shoulder. You've got a white smoke on the other shoulder. And both of them are talking to you. Everybody knows what that is? Just do it. Do it your way. You know, so much of it, have it your way, okay? And that's the way advertisements go today and so forth. But it should be that way. We want to have it God's way. We want to listen to Him. We want to get so close to Him that when we start to enter into an area that God has said, that white voice is saying, don't do it. Wait and think about it. Pray about it. Don't jump out ahead of my will and do these things. Even sometimes when they're good things, they're not necessarily bad things. But it may be that you've missed God's best. Because you've listened to the little dark smoke over here. Two voices are competing for our attention. Amen. And the fact of the matter is. Is obviously there's a white dog and a black dog. Which one are you going to feed? The one you feed the most is the one. Obviously is going to be control over your life. If you feed the black dog. The black dog is going to have the control. If you feed the white dog. White dog. Which one? The Bible says don't be conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? It happens by the word of God. But it also happens on a day to day basis. Of your obedience and my obedience. Every day. It's a battle. The spirit makes sin obviously through again through his word. You ever read the Bible and then you jumped on. You said I've never seen that in a particular part of the scripture. And it just kind of touches you, speaks to you. Or maybe emotions rise up and there are tears in your eyes. There are things that are happening. You realize that you sinned against God and you just need to confess. You need to just come and say, Lord, take this. I, I realize I, I, was, I was wrong. I'm sorry. You see, the word of God will speak to us. And also, I'll say the Holy Spirit produces a desire to do what is right. Isn't that good news? He produces a desire. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, it says, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. You hungry today? Tell the Lord, I'm hungry, Lord. I want to know you. The Bible says for sure you'll be filled. The Bible says that. He says he actually makes that hunger. He, he puts that hunger. It's a work of the Spirit down in your life. 
You know, I pray in the morning when I'm running a lot of times and it just every day. And I was praying. And one of the part of my prayer is. It, Lord, that I love you with all my heart, mind, soul and strength. That's chapter, I believe 20, chapter 22 of Matthew. And then love your neighbors yourself. And I said, Lord, I want to love you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul and with all of my strength. And then I think about that and I want to love my neighbors myself. And so I'm going, how is that going to work? It's by the working of God's spirit. So then in that prayer, I say, Lord, but I can't do that in my natural old self flesh. There's not a desire to do that. But by my, your spirit, you can work that in my heart to where I will love you with all my heart, mind, soul and strength. And I'll love my neighbors myself. See, people today are just going the opposite way. And I mentioned there was another raid, road rage shooting last night. There, there are more road rage shootings nowadays than I've ever seen. Be careful about when you drive down the road and so forth and all. You know, some of us, we, we have a heavy foot. Be careful about that. People today are sitting on the edge. They're, they're mad. They're angry. They're wounded down deep. And they just want to take somebody else out. And they shoot. And they're killing people and hurting people and so forth. And God just calls us to love people. No matter what, to love him and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Isn't that something? Two commandments summed up, all of them summed up in those two commandments. That's what we're to do. People say, well, who's to say that something is wrong or right or wrong, wrong in sin? Well, let me say this. God says, his word says, what you can find, you can find it in his word. He'll direct your path. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. But so often, what do we do? We make decisions and we don't even ask God. We make decisions based upon the flesh, the old nature there. Because let me tell you, the old nature will answer if you, if you somehow are making decisions to do something. Whatever it may be. We need to consult our Father. Because he knows what's best that we need. The Holy Spirit, the third thing, enables believers to overcome temptation. As we daily choose to live by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Yielding to God, cooperating with God. The choice is up to us. We need to obviously choose what is right every day. And you and I are faced with decisions each and every day. Don't be self-confident. Go to the Lord asking. We need a God confidence, amen? We need a God confidence. What does that mean? That means we need to trust in the Lord. Confidence in God. We need to yield ourselves and depend completely upon him. And because apart from God, we can fall flat on our faces. And sometimes we get in a whole heap of trouble because of exactly that. We did not consult the Lord. We made decisions that were bad. We made decisions based upon the flesh, the old sinful nature in our lives here. We can live by the spirit. God will not let us down when we choose to yield control to himself. God wants us to overcome every temptation every time and he'll see us through those temptations because he will make a, a way of escape. And then the second step of living by the spirit is to resist the devil. Resisting. The Bible says, submit yourself to God, to, to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resisting. Say, no, no, I'm not going to. I'm not doing that. I'm not going that way. I'm going to listen to God. God is telling me, wait upon me. And a lot of times, as we've talked about, it's waiting on the Lord. I'm going to put it before the Lord and I'm going to wait on him. Resisting. 
Say in Jesus name, I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to do that. I resist you in Jesus name. And you may have to verbally audibly say that out loud because he's listening. He hears. We choose, obviously, not to give the devil any opportunity. Resisting him by nailing your passions and desires to the cross of Christ here. In Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives within me. The life I now live by, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. I don't live, it's Christ who lives within me. Because obviously we can, can really give place to the devil by doing these things. So, men, we don't have to live our lives on a testosterone high. We can choose to control our sexual impulses or burst of anger. We can choose not to be so machoistic that obviously we drive everybody away from us. Women, we can decide obviously emotionally that obviously allow the Spirit of God to control that. It goes on both sides. There are temptations that you and I have every day. We can choose, obviously, to take control and not to have gluttony. Not to, obviously, we obviously we uh, eat to live and we don't live to eat, right? Gluttony, all these things are out there in front of us. And none of us are immune. Remember, the Bible says, once you start saying, I'm not tempted in that, I'm not, be careful because the fall can come. If you see somebody has fallen, God is always a God of restoration. And we pray for that individual and we build that person back up again if they're repentant, okay? But if you're careful, you look at them and say, I'm glad I'm not like that person. That person really did. You see, when you say that, then you are obviously right at that place where you can go the same way. But by the grace of God that I didn't go that way. Okay? That's why we love people for who they are. Not because of obviously anything. God came to set us free. He set me free. He set you free. And he wants us to walk in victory. But we've got to walk in the spirit. You don't have to buy everything that comes online or any, everything that's on sale or whatever it may be. You know, the media and the entertainment speaks of Christians like they're obviously just, they're out to lunch, don't they? There's a, there's a war going on. We're not persecuted like in other countries, but there's a, a rejection of Christianity today and the things of God. We need to stand firm. Can't say sometimes, I just couldn't help myself. And obviously, uh, it was just the devil made me do it. That's what you do. Done. No. Confess it and get back up again and to be determined to walk in the spirit. It's important here. In first John chapter four, it says you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one that's in me is greater than the one that's in the world. I have the spirit of God. The spirit of God is bigger than all the evil. And I can do the things that God has called me to do. God is bigger than anything the devil can, can put towards me. There's a story. The story is told about a man who had two German shepherds. One was uh, named Righteousness and the other Sin. Every day these two dogs would fight for control of their master. At first it was a real dog fight. Some days Righteousness would win and other days Sin would take the victory. The man grew tired of the daily war and he wanted his dogs to get along with each other. He had a talk with them, but that didn't seem to help very much. Finally, he had an idea, and one of the dogs began to gain the upper hand and win most of the dog fight. In time, the other dog reluctantly submitted to the stronger dog, and the dog fight was over, and the dogs were tamed. 
And when asked how he got his dogs to cooperate with each other, the man said simply, I feed the one and I starve the other. Keep resisting. The devil backs off. But if he knows that he's got you, trust me, he won't let you go. He'll hook you just like that fish. The temptation of that worm on that, on that hook, the same thing. We're tempted every day. God will show you. If you open your heart, the Bible talks about show me and, and anything on my heart, shine the spotlight of the Holy Spirit upon my heart, Lord, and see if there's anything offensive to you and lead me into the way everlasting. And he'll show you. If that's the case, you realize that's where the enemy will continue to hit you. Again, you say none of this applies to me. Yes, it does. We're studying the book of Revelation on Wednesday night. And we're in the, the seven churches in Revelation. And the church at Ephesus was there. And Jesus is walking, it says, amongst the lampstands, which are the churches. And he's obviously critiquing them. And he's obviously affirming some and he's rebuking some not to destroy, but um, most of all to uh, correct, bring correction. And I believe he does that here at Lighthouse Fellowship. I believe he does that in every church. He walks and says whether or not Lighthouse Fellowship is the witness that it should be. Obviously, you are the body. I'm the body. And he watches, examines our lives. But he says, you do a lot of good works. But he says, I have one thing against you. You've left your first love. You've walked away from your first love. And I guess the question today is, do you love Jesus more today than you did five years ago? Do you love him more and more every day? Or have you walked away? And maybe that this, your relationship with Christ has just become sort of a go through the motions type of thing then maybe that would be a point where you can say, Lord, I want that changed. And I want to return to my first love. My first love is Jesus Christ. And remember the story of Mary and Martha there? And Martha was in the kitchen and she was busy. She was doing all those things. And Mary was seated at, sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to Jesus, having intimacy, communion with him. And remember, Martha got mad. Basically went to Jesus and said, Jesus, make Mar Mary come in there and help me out in the kitchen and, and all. And remember what Jesus said? He said, don't, don't bother her. She's chosen the best thing. When we walk away from our first love, and we say, you know, well, uh, we get dry. We get weary. We don't have a passion for Jesus like what we used to have. Jesus gives the solution. He said, remember the acts that you used to do when you got along with me and you just adored me and you praised me, worshiped me in the spirit of my holiness. And then he says, repent. And when he calls you to repentance, that means there's sin involved. So if you walked away, you basically have made your relationship with Jesus sort of a, a religion, then obviously we're going down the wrong road. We've left our first, our first love. And then he said to act. Remember, repent and act. Do something. Choose differently. Turn around. Do something differently. Jesus overcame the temptation by obviously saying it's written. It's written. The word of God is so powerful. 
Begin each day, obviously, with a simple prayer asking God to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit to make sin obviously, to give you a desire to do what's right, and develop a God consciousness and confidence that it will obviously keep you from sin. So how do we walk in the Spirit? I'll close with this. Walk in the Spirit is a God consciousness. It's having Jesus foremost in all affection. It is pursuing God with all of your heart. No other idols in your heart. Is anything taking God's place in your heart? Maybe it's usurped. Maybe something else has. Maybe life, because I want to tell you, I realize life is, is tough. It's hectic. But they're so easy that those idols will come in and take the place of God in our lives. And he no longer has first place. To happen in your life, make the change. Serve God alone with all of your heart. We obviously obey the Spirit at all times. We surrender to Him. We maintain an awareness of His presence throughout the day. Stop, pray, and talk to the Father. My prayer today is, and for all of us here, is Lord, teach me to walk in the Spirit. Help me to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit every moment of every day. Help me to obey when he, he says to do this or that. And help me to yield to the Holy Spirit every moment of every day. But you see, you and I make the choice. But when we step forward, God meets us where we are, doesn't he? The Bible says if we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. So when we choose, and even today, you can choose in your heart. Lord, I want to walk in the Spirit. You can choose that. Isn't that great? This is the, just a wonderful place to do that in the church house. And say, Lord, I choose to walk in the Spirit today. And I will crucify the flesh when that old sinful nature rears its ugly head. My prayer many times is, Lord, help me to hate sin. And hate, help me to, to see sin the way you see sin. And you can pray that real simply. Help, me, help us to hate sin. Help us not to compromise and just say, well, again, I'm just waiting for that heavenly train of glory to come and I've got my ticket. His name is Jesus and so forth. No, we got a lot to do. We're still here on this earth and God is using us and he wants to use us. But we've got to know that old flesh never gets any better. Thank God when we go to heaven, the flesh won't be a part of our lives anymore. But until that time, there's a battle going on. The black dog and the white dog. Which one are we going to feed? The more you're obedient to the Lord, the more the devil sees, obviously, that you're not going to compromise, and the more that obviously he says, well, I just can't, can't win here. But the more we compromise, the more we slip, or maybe the neutral part, you say, but I just want to remain neutral. No, there's no neutrality in the kingdom of God. You're either obviously pushing in and pressing into God or else you're actually backtracking. I'll say that again. You're either pressing into God or you're backtracking. There's no neutrality. The enemy takes us out. if We're neutral. We've got to seek the Lord. Amen. Times are short. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I know one thing. Signs of the times. People, I read a lot of articles, a lot of things I get and I read. There are a lot of things that are happening may indicate the very fact that, hey, you know, Jesus could come back at any moment. Do you believe that? He could come back at any moment. A lot of theologians say, no, no, this has to happen. No, he could come back at any moment. And you know what I thought about in relation to that? Those people in that motel 
in those condos in Miami went to bed that night not knowing that they would stand before God Almighty before the evening was over with. And in the twinkling of an eye, those lives were lost as that condo crumbled. They had no idea that their life would be taken from them that very evening. I'm talking about eternity. And I'm talking about where we go when we take our last breath. You and I make that choice of where we go when we take our last breath. Everybody has that choice. I just want to say today, don't, don't wait. If you've never accepted Jesus, if you've never bowed your heart, bowed your head and just said, Jesus, come into my life and save me. I don't know if I'm saved or not. I'm not sure. Well, make it sure today. And ask Jesus to come in and forgive you of your sins. And to cleanse you. And to impart his righteousness within you. So that when you stand before the holy God. You can stand there before him. Because of the righteousness that Jesus has imputed to our lives. Don't wait. Those people in that condo did not know. That their lives would be called that particular night. They had no idea. Time is short. The question is also. For us who have accepted Christ. Are we obviously like the church at Ephesus? And we've walked away from our first love? We don't have that passion desire for Jesus. Like we did when we first received him. We don't have a burning desire to know him more and more and more. To love him. Are we in that place today? The question today is, is that you're being confronted with that question. Of whether or not. That this is priority in your life. Have the things of God taken a back seat. And other things have crowded out. The purity of that relationship. One day. Obviously if you're not believers. You'll stand before. The judgment judgment of God. The white throne judgment. But if you are Christians. We'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Not for our salvation. We're saved. We're going to heaven. But we'll give a. Obviously a response. Of how we lived our lives for Christ. We will be judged. Not for our salvation. We're in heaven. We go to heaven. Because by grace through faith, not anything we can do. But you will be judged by what you have done for Christ. And that will obviously, I believe, give you positions in his kingdom and what he and the responsibilities that he will give us when we're in heaven with him. But I believe today he's he's looking at my life, he's looking at your life, and he's calling us to account. What is our relationship with Jesus Christ like today? Is it growing? Are you wanting more and more of him? Or it could be said, are you surrendering more and more? Take every bar of my life, Lord. And deal with me and do whatever you want with me. I had to do that 
on a regular basis because if not, what happens to the old flesh that rears its ugly head? When God called me in a ministry, I've shared it with you. I knew it was the Spirit doing this. It wasn't anything that I just kind of conjured up because I thought I would be more religious. But I remember telling the Lord, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And I'll say whatever you want me to say. Is that your prayer today? I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And I'll say whatever you want me to say. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we can call upon you. And we thank you, Father, today that your word is true. And we know your word is living and active and it actually divides. It completely cuts to the very conscience. The depths of our being. I thank you for your presence in here today, Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that if there's anything in our lives that's not like you, that we right now give it to you. And say, Lord, we no longer want the flesh to have control of our lives. We want the Spirit of God to consume us with a holy passion for Jesus Christ. That's our prayer. And we ask you today, Father, to do that which you only you can do. But we right now yield our hearts and lives that you would teach us how to walk in the spirit every moment of every day. That we may experience that freedom that we know that you provide for all who will yield and call upon the name of the Lord. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Prepare our hearts because we believe new wine is being poured out. And it needs new wineskins. And that new wine, Lord, is so powerful in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That, dear God, today we want to be able to contain it with those new wineskins. Thank you, Father. We love you and we praise you. And it's in the holy and majestic name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We're going to have a time here in just a moment. Thank you all for joining us and being a part of this service. And uh, we just thank you for, for joining us. Pray the decisions that are made today. We pray that you get in a local church. We're here at 925 3rd Street in Lake City, Texas. If you're here in the area or you get by here, come on by and join us. Or get in a local church that is a Bible preaching church and hear the word of God. And, and obviously get filled with God's spirit because I believe God is on the move and he's doing great things. So we look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, and we ask you again to pray for us. We'll pray for you. God bless you and have a great day in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you.